Today we finalize the series title Promise of Home. So, uh, so far we'll jump right into it. So far we discussed this pagan woman named, named Rahab. Then, then we talked about the obedience of Joshua, even through what we may call a very foolish plan or something very off by God and how they took down Jericho. Um, in that chapter six, and, and all this leads us to this one verse that I want to kind of kick things off with this morning. It's in Joshua chapter six, verse 27. It says, so the Lord was with Joshua and his reputation spread throughout the land. So far, we've seen Joshua go victory after victory and just see success after success. No real setback for him. And if you're an optimistic person in the room, you're saying, what can possibly go wrong? If you're a pessimistic person in the room, you say something bad's about to happen. Let me tell you something. For those of you who are pessimistic in the room, you're going to win today. Something bad is getting ready to happen. And you know, you know, as I'm looking at this and I see that the, his, reputation, his reputation of success spread throughout the land, and you look at Joshua and his life and you say to yourself, well, you know, Many of us will, will strive towards success. And, and in a lot of ways, we tend to think that success ends up changing people. But can I tell you that the success that you and I strive for on a day-to-day -day basis could be the biggest exposure of who you really are? Success doesn't deteriorate our character. In a lot of ways, it ends up, it has the tendency to expose it. In a lot of ways, um, it causes this through the filter of success. Others tend to be able to see who you truly are. You ever heard the saying of like, man, that person has really changed because of circumstances. But my question is, did they really change or did the success or the things that happened in their life really end up exposing who they were from the beginning? And while this may be a redundant circle that we'll never be able to figure out this morning, the question stands, are we really ready for our next victory? Are we really ready for the next steps of success that God has for our lives? Have we done our personal due diligence to prepare ourselves for this next season of life that God may have in store for us? The sermon today is titled Deception, Disaster, and Decision. Because even in the best days of our lives... Even in the highest levels of our success, there will be things that you and I will be exposed to that will come against us and kind of blindside us if we don't stay put in the path that God has predetermined for us. No one is, is exempt from this. Not even the people, the chosen people of God. We see the people of Israel receive instructions from God as soon as the fall of Jericho happens. He gives them a path. He gives them a way. He guides them into instructions that they were supposed to keep. Joshua chapter 6 verse 17 says, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Those were instructions by God. That, that translation sometimes uses the word, other translations use the word devoted which comes from the Hebrew word harem, okay? Which means that the object or the, or, or the person would be set aside for the use of God in a judgment way or in a service way. Either way, it's set aside for God for one purpose or the other. God had declared to all the people that they were to be totally destroyed. And in verse 21 of chapter 6, we actually see this take place. 
So, so far, so good. They follow the plan. They kept up with what God had ordered. Okay? And nothing had been done up to the, nothing had been done wrong up to this point. And then we get to chapter 7, the very next chapter. And this is when the pessimistic people in the room say, I told you so. Here it comes. None of those people are here today, right? Optimism all over the room. Let me see the fan. No, I'm just kidding. All right, verse 1. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. It amazes me that the actions of one man ends up causing hurt to an entire nation. Not that God wasn't mad at Achan, but God makes it evident to say in the verse that although Achan stole these dedicated things, he was angry with the Israelites. And I want to sit there for a second because we often are so selfish in our decision-making that we fail to understand that the impact that we have with our actions tend to affect more than just ourselves. Have you understood that you're not just sinning against your body? Yes, you're doing that. But have you ever thought of the idea that you may be causing something within your home that could be affecting more than just your personal life? We know that salvation is an, is, is an individual thing. And yes, this is true. But the consequences of our actions are also too so real. We do realize that when we are forgiven by God, this forgiveness has an effect on our eternity. You realize that, right? We all understand that concept. When you say, God, forgive me, and God forgives you, that's a forgiveness that has an effect on your eternity. I'll give you a very practical example that I always use. If you have sex outside of marriage, okay, which we all agree is a sin, and that person gets pregnant, God will forgive you, for the sin, for eternity, but that baby's still coming. That makes sense? All right, we're there. You're with me. Why are you guys so quiet? Relax. It's all right. It's all right. I just get a little into it. It's just me. It's just me. Relax, everybody. They're like, oh, okay, should we leave now or later? Like, this is getting crazy. <laughs> it, is, it is up to God whether the effects of the things that we have done affect our lives and our consequences and how, how that kind of relates down the road. I used to have a buddy of mine. We would do this prayer circles at work on Monday mornings. So right before lunch, a few of us that were Christian in the office, we, we, we sent an email out and, and set a time out to say, in the conference room, if you want to come and have some prayer time, we'll be there. And this was before I was full-time into ministry. So we, we and a few of us would lead this like prayer time within the company. It's 40, 30, 50 employees would get this email and they, they were more than welcome to come and join us in the room. And we would do like, like, um, like Joy would say, this popcorn prayer that would go around the room that it's just like, pop, pop, your turn, go, 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 you know? Um, <laughs> you didn't know I was going to say that. <laughs> so we, we would pray and I had a buddy of mine that he knew this truth so bad that he realized, I'm not only going to pray for the forgiveness of my sins, but I'm also going to pray for the consequences. So he would go down this road, and I would be like, I don't know how I feel about it, I guess. He would say, God, forgive me for my sins. <laughs> this guy, you know, because different individuals would pray. They're from different denominations, different churches. It, it you know, it, it would get, it was unique. It was a unique experience. And then he would sit there, and he would pray, and he would say, Lord, and for my consequences. 
get rid of them. I don't, I don't want to have to deal with any of my consequences. And he would just go and just talk to God about the consequences of his sin right after he prayed for, his, for the forgiveness of his sins, you know? And I thought it was comical, but it is so true because it is a result of what we do. What is interesting about the verse that we just read is the fact that one man's sin ended up affecting an entire nation. And you say, Moises, I'm not that important. And I disagree. I actually think you are. You may not notice the effect you have, but man, it breaks me down to know that my sin hurts me. But when you put the perspective that my sin could be hurting my child, oh, that hits different for me personally. You put my wife in the way, man, you're really, I'm, I, I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Seriously, it's that serious. It's that difficult. So God was mad at them, and here's how the sin of Achan affected the people and even Joshua. Check out Joshua chapter 7, verse 2 to 5. So jo Joshua sent some of his men. This is after the Jericho scenario, okay? Sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai. Not like the artificial intelligence. This is something else, okay? That's not, we're not prophetic here. This is Joshua chapter 7. <laughs> so they were spying out the town of Ai, east of, of, of Bethel and near Bethhaven. Um, when they returned, they told Joshua, listen, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It wouldn't take more than 2,000 or, or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. This is the spies. So approximately 300, 3,000 men went out there. So Joshua picked on the high side, all right? Warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gates as far as, as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slopes. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear and this turn of events and their courage melted away. What a sad statement at the end there. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at the turn of events and their courage melted away. Wow. It, it comes across as a perfect example of what it looks like to live a life without the direction and support of God. We end up experiencing unexplainable defeats. We have no concept of why did this just happen to me? It's one, it's one thing to get in trouble for the actions that we take, but to get in trouble for the actions of someone else could be extremely disturbing. It's one of the toughest positions to be in. It's one of the biggest issues we have with Adam and Eve. It's because they sin, even though we know we're just like them, but we see them sin and we're like, come on, Adam, come on, Eve. And we have, a, we have a tough time saying that sin lives within us, that we are born with sin because of the actions of another individual. Here's what happens. We keep reading. We're going to be keep reading through, through Joshua, so stay with me if you're following along. I have it also on the, on the, on the screen here, Joshua 7, 6 to 9. It says, Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay. They threw dust on their heads and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Could you imagine how disturbing this would have been for Joshua? He was obedient to God. He's known for his obedience to God. He tried to do everything according to the book. And this happens to him. And he's just wondering, why are we doing this? 
Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? Only if we have been content to stay on the other side, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has fallen from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? It's, it's interesting to me that we begin reading about the reputation that had built for Joshua and the Israelites, but Joshua is worrying about the reputation of God in this moment. He is concerned, saying, what happened? Why would you do this to us? You should have left us on the other side. You know, we, we have to agree today that the deterioration of the world today and what we're seeing on TV and on the social medias, it's, it's, it has a, it's gradually growing because of the sin that this world is exposed to. One of the quickest answers that you have to anyone that says, why would this happen? Why is the world going this direction? It's because of sin, friends. It's because of sin. And it doesn't involve all of our sin personally. Our, our personal sin may just be a portion added into it. But all of it is having an effect. It all has an effect. It's like when you, you know, I grew up with my brother. We're only two siblings. We, we would, we would, Eddie would do things all the time that I would get blamed for. That's backwards, but you know what I mean. I'm the one up here with the mic. So, so you know, like, like. Hurricane Hugo came by, and it, it came through Puerto Rico before it came through North Carolina, okay? I just, if you've been around this thing, I don't even know what year this was. It was, it was a long time ago. 89. I was five years old. Oh, my gosh. No, I mean, <laughs> so it came, right, to, through, through Puerto Rico. Well, what happened is I don't know how me and my brother ended up with one tricycle. We, we always, being brothers, and we were so close in age, my parents would always buy us things in pairs. Right? But somehow, I think Eddie and I found this tricycle somewhere. Probably Eddie found it. So what would happen constantly is we have one tricycle for two brothers. And Eddie would fight over it all the time. And he would want it. And he would want it. You know? No, I'm just kidding. So I don't know who. I was too young to remember. But it was like I, we would fight over this thing. My dad just lost it one day. Houses in Puerto Rico have flat roofs. Right? They don't have the the chingles and stuff like that. So my dad came out there one time and said, you guys are going to keep fighting over this? That's it. He grabbed the tricycle and threw it up on the roof of the house. And I was like, see, Eddie's your fault. <laughs> you know? The point is that Hugo came and the tricycle became a blessing for somebody else down the road because we never saw it again. It was, it was never on the roof of the house. But, but it's the same effect that we tend to have. Somebody else, we don't want to pay for somebody else's problems. If I was the one playing with it and Eddie would want it, then we would fight over it. If Eddie was playing with it and we would want it, then we would fight for it. And we would get mad at each other when, Mom, he did it. No, Mom, he did it. And we blame each other. And as silly as this may sound, we all turn to overreact this way. Aiken sin served severe consequences and it brought judgment on his family and the entire nation of Israel. And this reveals certain things about God's judgment. He judges shameless sin among the people. He will. He would not let it stay or, or remain. If there is shameless sin among the people, 
there will be a result to that, and God won't let it be, won't let it happen. If I want to bring you any awareness this morning, it's to say that that sin that is tormenting you, that thing that you're struggling with, it's not just yours, and it's not just affecting you. It's having an effect on the people around you. And it, it'll spread out. So this is how God deals with it. Number one, practicing or accepting sin compromises blessing. Sin compromises, folks. It is not okay, therefore we can't act like it is okay. We act like we're not risky individuals, and yet again we constantly three, you know, we're constantly riding that line of sin. Romans chapter 6 teaches us an amazing principle. And is that sin pays, but God gives. You follow that? You're going to get a benefit out of sin that you're going to like. But it's a payment. It's temporary. It's like buying a flash, fancy new car. When you first pull it out of the lot, you're like, "Woo! I'm on a new level. And then that payment hits. And then it hits again the next month. And six months into it, you're like, why did I even do this? You know, why didn't nobody tell me this? You will get a result out of your sin, but it will come in a form of a payment as a one-time gratification. However, the blessing of God is a gift that doesn't compare. It never goes away. In the garden, they gained access to one fruit and gave up eternity. For the one fruit, they got payment. They got the fruit. And in the process, lost eternity. One compromise affected their entire eternity, so much so that it affects us today. God will not bless people who fail to remove sin from their lives. Instead, he will go into debt. You will go into debt with your sin, and it will gradually get worse. Listen, I know this is tough, but we have to talk about it. You guys okay with that? Number two, open sin within a congregation or family exposes everyone. Sin exposes. It's like opening up a door to the enemy. Not only that, but it's a defiance of God, and, and, and this will result, like we see in the story of God saying, okay, it's time to judge. Sin is something that for the sake of our lives and the lives of those around us, it should be identified and dealt with. Friends, active sin in your life. We have to be offensive towards sins and defensive towards temptation. Can't ignore it. If there's sin in your life, you have to take an offensive stance towards it. And we play defense towards the temptation. You follow me? All right? We must talk to God about the struggles of our sin. God, you're not going to outdo God with your sin. You need to talk to God. It works as a form of confession. 1 John 1, 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If it's too much to talk to God about, it's already out of control. All right? Don't wait till it's too late. We know God can see right through us. And sometimes we feel awkward because we're like, I'm going to do it again. I don't want to talk to God about it. I feel shameful. God can see right through me. He knows my feelings. He knows how much I've struggled with this. He knows how difficult it is for me to overcome. So we don't talk to God about it because he's seeing right through it. Well, start working on your heart. So when God sees right through you, he sees your heart. 
And he knows that although you're struggling with this action or this thought or this feeling, he knows that in your heart, when you say, God, please help me, forgive me, he knows that your heart is in the right place. If we know God is going to look right through us, then let's be right before God so he can look right through us. Number three. Very obvious. Sin is serious. As individuals, as believers of Christ, we must protect our moral purity. It is our service and how we show love to practice total obedience to God. Otherwise, otherwise we, we're running a very risky, you know, tight rope that, that people around in our lives will, 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 will shrink back and never develop their spiritual lives and grow. And we could have this effect that we never intended for it to, to, to happen. And you say, Moises, this is not a big deal. What I'm doing is not such a big deal. God forgive me. Well, tell Joshua that. Joshua acts like the day that life had ended for him. They're, they're face, ground, face down on the ground throwing stuff on their head. They're just like, why, why, why? There was an effect that may not be a big deal for you, but it could be affecting the person next to you like you never thought. So friends, if... If you don't want to think about it, if you don't want to be critical about it, if you want to treat it lightly for yourself, then maybe the person next to you could serve as an incentive to help you deal with what you're dealing with. He, he's so, Joshua is so overwhelmed with losing the favor of God that God has to step in and say, Joshua, relax. It's time to do something. Don't act like that. I feel, I feel like many of us need that pep talk today. That some of us just need that encouragement. That all know, although we've done so many bad things, God's not finished with us yet. And maybe that's what we're hearing this word. This word is not meant to be a word of judgment. It's meant to be a word of encouragement and improvement. It may not feel that way, but I guarantee you it's what it is. You're sitting here today hearing this word, and if you may be struggling with something, this is not a word of judgment. This is for you to stand up and say, I'm ready, God. You're not going to outsend the cross of Jesus. Amen? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 4, it says, of how, or, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, in baptism, we join him, we join him in his death, for he died, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glorious power of the Father. Now we also live new lives. So look at what God tells Joshua in his, as he's freaking out. And you may be sitting here today personally and mentally freaking out about what I'm saying. This is what God tells Joshua in Joshua chapter 7, verse 10 to 12. He said, but the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you laying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I've commanded must be set apart from me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Man, guys, can we apply that verse to us today? In other words, it is true. They did really bad, but God wasn't finished for the, with them. 
They just needed to remove those things that God never wanted them to be there in the first place. Spiritual slavery and death will be the result of our sin. I guarantee you that. When folks allow sin, life gets worse, not better. So it's time that we accept and allow our truth to show to others with our love. We have to be encouraging as we tell others the truth. Just being acceptance of bad behavior isn't going to get it done. I'll give you an example of Sweden. I'll use an example here. Sweden was voted back in the early 2000s as the most accepting community for homosexuality. All right? Back in 2000, in the early 2000s, okay? You know what happened? It was voted as the more receptive, accepted community to homosexuality. Suicidal rate went up by 200%. Depression went up by 300% and anxiety. And the city voted the most accepting of something. Sometimes that balance of truth and love is what people need to hear. We, we, we do this with our children all the time. I, I don't. My, my son fights with me when I'm trying to prevent him from doing something crazy. He wants to do it. He thinks I'm keeping him away from having fun, from doing the greatest idea that he's come up with. And it's a debate in the house. I'm going back and forth, but because I know what is best, loving him is not letting him do it. Loving him is telling him, buddy, if you do that, it's going to be painful. And him being five years old, it's me grabbing him and saying, no, you're not going to do that. And you may say, that's harsh. No, it's not because I love him. And that's my job to protect him. So I love him with truth. We know that putting our children in harm's way is not loving. What would we think it would be good for anybody else to be put in harm's way? For it not to be our problem to say to someone the truth in love of their condition. You know... Friends, this won't work unless we truly believe that it is wrong, though. We must be convinced that what is taking place around us is sinful. If you sit here and you're like, I don't think it's that. Well, indifferent people can't make a difference. You know how that only happens? It happens through convictions. Conviction leads to spiritual growth. A person without conviction is at the mercy of circumstances. If you don't determine what is important, how you live, others will determine that for you. A person without conviction is weak, is a jellyfish type of individual that just follows the crowd. Paul was talking about conviction in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when he said, Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your mind from within. It helps us to be diligent and to grow spiritually. Growth requires time, effort. Without conviction about growth, people become discouraged and give up. No one stays with the difficult task unless he is convinced that there's a good reason why they're doing it for. 
a church can teach people how to pray, how to study the Bible, how to witness, but without important corresponding conviction, people will not stick with it. Knowing what to do, knowledge, why to do it, perspective, how to do it, skill, is worthless if we don't have the conviction that will motivate us to actually do what we're doing. You know, people that have made a difference and an impact in the world for either good or evil have been people that have been convinced and convicted that what they're doing is what's best. Have you noticed that? Only people that make an impact in history for the good or evil have been people that have been convicted about something, something that meant a lot to them. They, were ne they weren't the smartest, the wealthiest, the best educated, but because of their convictions, they moved them. It moved them to move towards what they wanted to do for good or bad. You want to know where to start? Start with conviction. Start with allowing yourself to be convinced that what's taking place in your life and what's taking place around you is wrong and that you need to do something about it. There's a reason why we're exposed to it. There's a reason why we're in that moment. Joshua chapter 7, verse 13. I got to go here. Come on. Let's go. It says, get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies unless you remove these things from among you. Purify yourself. There's an ongoing preparation that must take place in our lives. If you're ready for what's next, then you need to be set apart. We constantly see in the story of Joshua this concept of consecration. It's a, it's, a, it's a consecrate. Consecrate these things to me. Dedicate these things to me. Separate these things for me. There's, there's a, an individualism that God uses to separate the people of God for a certain task or a certain victory. It says in verse 16, 18, 20, and 25, it says, Early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribes of Judah were singled out. Every member of Zimri's family was brought before forward person by person and Achan was singled out. Ooh, man, you don't want to be that guy. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the Lord of Is the, the God of Israel by telling the, the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Didn't, don't hide it from me. Achan replied, it's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Then Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord would now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned them in their bodies. You're like, that's not loving, Moses. You know, after the, the fall of Jericho and, and the many conquests of Joshua, Joshua was much, much older and he, he gathered all the tribes together at Shechem and, 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 and they presented the people to the Lord and he heard from God and spoke with boldness, reminding the people of this great act throughout their history and the victories that they fought. And, and, and Joshua, at an older age, takes this stance before the people of Israel. And he summed up his challenge for the people by using these words on chapter 24, verse 14 to 15. And it's a, it's a very well-known verse, but one, one verse that we should all, as family members, should be challenged to today. It says in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 to 15, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. 
But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or would you, will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And many of us put that on our, on our doorposts. We have it in our home. But do we do it? Joshua drew a spiritual line in the sand and told the family, choose your, your side. Is it going to be the God or the gods? Everyone decide. Joshua made his, his choice very clear. Whether you come from a horrible home or a perfect family, the true guiding biblical principle of Joshua's challenge today is that you get to choose your own direction and destination. Whether you allow this sin to affect you personally or those surrounding you is up to you. No matter if you came from a legacy of devastating dysfunction in your house or you came from a happily ever after, the choice is yours. Will you serve the Lord today? Whether you feel as though you constantly fail or you're just walking through one difficult season after the other, a submission to the Lord today can change everything. Our level of spiritual maturity depends solely on the death of our obedience. And we saw this revealed in the life of Joshua. This is why you can't find a person sometimes in church that has been at church for 40 years but can't seem to lead. And then you have another person that's been at the church for five years and God is using him in incredible ways. That's because the latter has decided to give his obedience to God fully. Allowing God to do something amazing in their lives. We must prepare, alert, and be available to do anything God wants from us. Believing that no matter where we come from, God can get you where you need to go. Mm. Yeah. Now, you know, there's, there's the, today the, the chapter from your past are, are the challenges you face today and the character that will build you for tomorrow. And, and I, I fully believe that you, you haven't been freed from the fight. You have been freed for it. Before this truth, you, you were just a victim before God. Now, you and I have the opportunity to be victors. You, life with Christ doesn't mean that we're done, that we don't have to fight. No, you, you've been free to fight. You have been given the power and the opportunity to trump sin, to defeat it once and for all. To no longer let, it, let your life or your family's life or the people surrounding you be bound by it. I'm in a personal position that I have to get up every morning and say, God, I can't let this get to my family. Help me, Lord. We got to end this now. Whatever it may be. As I end this morning, I would just ask you, you know, is this morning a morning that you turn away from your sin and commit yourself to the Lord before it's too late? Not only for your life, for the, for the lives of those around you. You may be sitting here today saying, what are you talking about? Listen, it's evident that all of us are faced with this truth and are born into a sinful life that we day by day have to fight against. 
but it's a fight that just believing in God isn't going to just keep us away from the fight. It's a fight that we have to be offensive about to make sure that we don't damage things beyond our control. I don't want to see my son live with consequences of my sin. I don't want to affect my marriage to the point that it destroys it because of my sin. I don't want to affect this congregation because of an action I take. In Achan's scenario, his life ended, but Joshua was devastated, and he didn't do anything wrong. His people suffered. 36 men died because of one man's sin. And you say to yourself, my life is not that important. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. I guarantee you it is. So if you don't do it for yourself, do it for the person next to you. Amen? Bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you, Lord. I know that this could be a difficult message for us to intake, God, but I fully believe and pray, God, that you would use it to give us the conviction that we need to overpower the sin that we face. Jesus, I pray for every individual in this room, God, that whatever their struggles may be, God, if any, Lord, let them bring that to the light, confess it to you, God, and move away from it, God. Today, Lord, we fully believe in you, knowing that you helped us and that you've given us the power to win this battle, God. Lord, let us not be content with our sin. I don't want to be indifferent. God, I, want, I don't want to be indifferent. I want to I wanna be convicted. I want to be convicted. Not judgmental, God, but convicted. That I personally convince me, God, of what is wrong. Bring it to light. Make it true in my life so I know, Lord, the things that need to be addressed, the things that need to be removed, Lord, so this stuff doesn't trickle down to anyone I love or care for. God, help us in the room to be honest. To be honest to you, God. It's a room full of imperfect people, God. And we pray, God, that your forgiveness would just spread through this room. Your mercy, your grace would just touch us so that we may give you glory and live our lives according to your purpose, God. God, we thank you and we give you praise this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.